You are listening to Engaging and Exciting Conversation on the Radiant Culture Podcast. Podcast. Get ready. Now. Welcome, everybody. You're listening to the Radiant Culture Podcast. My name is T Mac. And I'm Cookie Monster. And we have Wasu in the building. Yeah. I'm so happy to see you. Good to see you too, yeah, T Mac and Cookie Monster. Good have to see you, Wasu. Aren't you, aren't you happy to see me? Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Totes, totes. <laughs> Always. Always. <laughs> a monster that ate all the cookies. We're happy to see you. Oh, Thank you, Wasu. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so please, right off the bat, excuse my vocals. I do have a bit of a cold. Pray for me, please. We will be talking a bit about that during <laughs> today's episode. But yeah, um, it's an interesting one today. We are discussing... Hmm. Some of the ways in which we have been taught to pray, especially in Africa, there's this whole phenomenon right now. I don't know. Okay, maybe not phenomenon. Phase or teaching that's spreading around where people pray these powerful prayers where they send things back to where they came from. Hashtag back to sender. So whether it's debt that you have or just calamity has hit you as a family or whatever, you pray that it goes back to whoever sent it, assuming that somebody sent it I don't know yeah um so yeah when I told the group I'm sick they're like it's fine pray it back to the sender I'm like what does that even mean mm-hmm. <laughs> who sent this flu whoever you are take it back but yeah we have Wasu here today to help mm. us figure this whole thing out yeah and yeah cookie yeah and I think this well <clears throat> I think locally in our culture um it probably stems from the fact that um you know people have this belief in Juju, right? <laughs> to some extent, I think that there's that. That's, Juju even makes it sound like that's a large contributing factor, <laughs> which is that you know people believe that misfortune happens because of someone wished you know, it upon because exactly, and people yeah. would do things. And I think this is actually true. Um, I was listening to a program yesterday on radio where um, it was really a sad program where this lady was talking about how her grandma used to be a traditional healer, and she basically did some stuff that's now affecting them and her, yeah, her and her sisters and stuff. And I just thought, you know, our, our culture does have those other things that, you know, we, we, where people are steeped in, I guess, witchcraft and that sort of stuff. Yeah. And I think, you know, this is a similar thing in many other um, African cultures. So I do know that to some extent, this whole back to sender um, idea came from that, where someone does something to you and then you're like, oh, in Jesus' name. <laughs> but that's my thing, though, that Jesus teaches us to turn the other cheek and he says, you know, don't sweat it. People do things to you. That's on them. God will deal with them. That's actually something else we're probably going to talk about, whether God, how he deals with people. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Jesus taught us just don't sweat it. Just you do you. Keep following my way. Mm-hmm. Don't worry but about But is that, that realistic, guy. though, truthfully speaking? Anyway, let's, let's get into it. <laughs> Help us, us. <laughs> well, that's a big question. Back to sender. Like, who is the sender? You ask that question. Mm. Could it be possible that sometimes God is the sender of difficult things? Yeah. And we need to ask the question. I hadn't thought about it. <laughs> if, if God is the sender of some of these difficult, challenging things, yeah. what is his purpose in sending those things? Mm. So that's a biggie, isn't it? As we look at if we believe that God is sovereign, and he is, 
and he can control all events in his power because he's almighty. Mm-hmm. Any might expressed comes from God because he is the almighty one. Therefore, he allows some of the senders to send <laughs> some of these tribulations, trials, which then we need to ask the question, God has allowed it the sender to do it and in fact if God is behind the sender then God is the sender ah Jack Sean no (laughs) (laughs) is he not (laughs) (laughs) because someone can just have it out for me though like why would God no something because I if I wake up every day and I'm putting on the armor of God and I'm pleading the blood of Jesus (laughs) Mm. over everything then how can these things still touch me? Like, why would he even want that? Because then we ask the question, (coughs) how does this work? God's ultimate purpose in everything Mm -hmm. is to be glorified, right? Mm. If we can agree on that, then if God allows something because he's sovereign, we need to ask, number one, how does this glorify God? Or how can it glorify God? Or how can I glorify God in this? And how is it for my good? If we believe Romans 8, 28, that all things (laughs) work together for my good mm-hmm. as a child of God, and we know that all things should work for his glory, we've got to ask the question, how? How does my sickness or this tribulation, and if it feels like it came from, if I have HIV, AIDS, and it came because my dad was promiscuous, slept with prostitutes, and he's the one. So we go back to sender. You know, I, I didn't do this to myself. Yeah. My dad was the one who was promiscuous. He, he wasn't. That's just an example. And he, I don't have HIV. <laughs> but if I do and it was my dad's fault, mm. do I bring a curse on my dad because of his sin? And if God is sovereign, he could have stopped me getting HIV. That's a big question. These are huge questions. Right. And I think that's what we're getting into, right? <laughs> yeah, because I think, you know, the moment... I guess you've actually taken it <laughs> you've actually taken it way way bigger in terms of um delving into the so, yeah sovereignty of God and all of that um the question though is this <clears throat> if someone intentionally does something against you right where someone deliberately um does something to harm you or to um maybe tarnish your image or tarnish your name. Mm-hmm. And this is someone who actually knows what they're doing and they know that what they're doing is wrong, right? Uh, how, how does this apply? And I'm, I'm going to reference the Bible here, mm. the Psalms, mm. right? I, I don't have um, an exact reference. Maybe you can help me there. Yeah. Uh, where David prays and he says, God, deal with these guys, deal with my enemies, you know, and, you know, David prays a lot of those kinds of prayers where he's saying, God, deal with them. Well, let me read one for us. Yes, this, please, this do. please do. This is Psalm 137, 8 to 9. It says, O daughter of Babylon, you devastated one. How blessed will be the one who repays you with the recompense with which you have paid us, repaid us. How blessed will be the one who seizes and dashes your little ones against the rock. Yo! How blessed will be the one who takes your kids and bashes them against Against the the rocks. Like, these are called psalms of imprecations. Psalms with a, it's like a (coughs) curse Mm -hmm. or a desire for something bad to happen to you. And he has a lot. There are multiple psalms. (laughs) The, The 
David wrote many of these with imprecations, mm-hmm. with curses, and saying, Lord, would you do this? Would you do that to our enemies? And this is a big question. So how does it work practically? He doesn't often, I think, if any times, um, speak about an individual mm-hmm. and never praise the psalm of imprecation for an individual. Now, a psalm of imprecation is full of emotion. It's full of uh, uh, passion. Mm-hmm. It's full of, Lord, just deal with them. Mm-hmm. And they're actually David's prayers relying on what God already said he would do to people who commit evil acts that are not believers. So actually, David is not praying something that is foreign to God. Mm -hmm. God actually says, I will do these things to those who sin. So David is actually calling on God in his emotion, trusting in the sovereignty of God, that God will do these terrible things to the people who do them, not just to me. So this is the key I think we need to talk about is... Is my psalm of imprecation, my prayer, Mm -hmm. that God would do something bad to someone? I I think the way we worded it in a question is, can we pray for God to deal with someone who's done something bad to me in the same way that he's done it to me? The same thing you've done to me, God, I pray you do it to them as well. Can we pray that kind of prayer? I think only when we realize the evil is committed against God. If... It's for personal vengeance and malicious intent. I don't think a believer should pray that prayer. So it is the motivation of the heart that is key in praying these kinds of prayers. If they're prayers of remembering what God is going to do, and often these prayers of imprecations come surrounded by and after calls for repentance for those who are unbelieving nations. So David will have built up these prayers of imprecations by calling his enemies, God's enemies, essentially, Mm -hmm. to repentance. And when they don't, David's prayer is actually, Lord, be just in your actions. You're a God of justice. We trust that you're sovereign, and you've said you will do these things. Do them, Lord. Do what you've said you will do. So David's heart, I mean, you know David, his heart was never for maliciously desire someone to be punished by God. Mm. He loved. He was the loving, worshipping poet. (laughs) So you know David. And so it's almost odd if we see them in that light, that David was just remembering that God said, I mean, Deuteronomy, you read 27 and 28, I think 27, 28, 29. And it's Israel accepting, yeah, Lord, we believe your laws. Thank you for those. And we accept the consequences for not. And then they were told by the Levites to pray the curses of God on themselves if they don't fulfill them. So as Christians, we're called even to pray for ourselves, the wrath of God on us Mm -hmm. if we don't live out righteously. (laughs) It's like, whoa! But the grace of God in Jesus sets us free from the penalty of God and his wrath. And I know that's, we're taking it to... Another level, deeper. <laughs> Go deeper, Papa. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so this this is... Okay, I want to I bring this to a... <coughs> excuse me. To a practical level, right? Mm. Which is... So, are we saying then that it is not right for a Christian to pray for vengeance from God? So you're you're not taking upon you're not taking it upon upon yourself to to do the vengeance, but you're, you're praying 
to say, God, you are the avenger. Right, I'm going to read a scripture here in First Thessalonians um, chapter 4, verse 6 in the ESV version. It says um, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this, in this matter because the Lord is an avenger in all, in all these things. And as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. So it's talking about how God is, is, the, is the avenger and how God, you know, um, is the one who... In fact, the Bible, where, there's, uh, where, where God says, vengeance is mine, mm-hmm. says the Lord. So I'm saying, if vengeance belongs to God, mm-hmm. can I, as a Christian, then pray for God's vengeance vengeance on someone who's wronged me? So I'm not, t- I'm not doing it myself, but I'm saying, Jesus, yeah. please deal, deal with this guy. It depends on the motive. Okay. So David, I love David's prayer at the end of all these Psalms of imprecations, right at the end, Psalm 139. This is David's awesome prayer. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Trust me and know my thoughts and see if there is any grievous way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. He prayed that because he knew he needed spiritual protection lest he hate. So if our desire is that God deal with them because we hate them, that's not right. But if our desire is God deal with them so that you would be glorified and prove to be the just God, the God of justice, prove that you would be the God who is who you say you are. Lord, we have called these to repentance many times in our nation, people who uh, who hurt us and do bad to us, steal from us, rob for us many times. And we pray, Lord, you're great. And we say, Lord, have your way with them. You're a good and gracious God. You have given many chances. Now, Lord, deal righteously and justly with those who have done wrong against us. The motive first is for them to come to repentance, to knowledge of God. Then, once you have prayed for their repentance and they don't turn, then we're saying, Lord, protect others from the hurt that will come for your glory and for the good of people. So it depends on the heart motive. Too often our heart motive is malicious intent to say, yeah, back to sender, gotcha. (laughs) You hurt me? (laughs) You know who's on my side? (laughs) God is on my side, and he can show you hurt in a way that you... I would not wish hell on anyone. But the God of vengeance, we're reminded that God is a God of vengeance in relation to eternal punishment. And I would not pray for anyone on earth to face God's eternal punishment. In fact, our role as believers is to pray that they would come to know the grace and goodness of God, the grace of God, the love of God. And we have responsibility as stewards of God's grace to help them see that. I don't think if they heard us praying God's vengeance on them, that they would experience a loving kind. So pray for the person, I would say, as if they were right there with you, as if you had laid hands on them, as if you were loving them, trusting God to bring them into his family. Another scripture which reminds me of this, if I can lead us there in Psalm, it says, you prepare a table for me, Psalm 24, our favorite one, Mm -hmm. in the presence of my enemies. 23. It's 23, not 24, 23. Why would why would the psalmist say that? Why would God prepare a table for us in the presence of our enemies to say, nana, 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 look at me, look what I've got? I don't think so. I think it would be for the enemy to come to know God as we step up out of our chair and open it and invite our enemy to come and taste and see that the Lord is good. 
I don't think it's so that we can show them that God loves us more than them or the goodness no, that God has given no, us. People you've just disappointed. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> With your interpretation of think. that particular <laughs> verse. <laughs> but so I think that's... <laughs> but that Let's tests our heart, see. doesn't it? That's David's heart. Lord, test me and know my heart. Check if there's any grievous way in me, any way that offends you or that stumbles a younger brother. I mean, it says about stumbling a younger brother or sister, it's better for us for a millstone to be tied to our feet and thrown into the deep than to cause one to stumble. An unbeliever to cause them to stumble by our prayers for God's vengeance on them? I wonder. So they are good in that they remind us of God's sovereignty, and they are good in that they remind us of the eternal penalty we deserve. So often these psalms of imprecations are actually for us to remind us of what we do deserve and worse than our children's heads being bashed against rocks by God because of our sin. Mm. So that's the ultimate purpose, I think, of these psalms of imprecations and these hectic verses about God's punishment and the vengeance of God is to remind us of our eternity without God and others' eternity without God that we might have compassion for them. Yeah. not malicious intent towards them. Interesting. So when you always come and you do this. Uh, I know, right. Well, can I just ask one more question <laughs> before before you go, T-Mac? Uh, we're talking about enemies. Mm. Maybe another thing we can just quickly um, talk about is in the New Testament, right, who are our enemies? Because, you know, that, this is an important question. In the Old Testament, we understand that um, the enemies were other nations or other tribes um, and other people, people mm. groups. Mm. Um, but... Where we are now, you know, we're, we're in the new dispensation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the New Testament. <laughs> the New Testament. <laughs> yeah. And uh, when, the, when we talk about enemies, mm. who are our enemies? So good. So the same as the Old Testament. And I think the enemies that David was talking about were not just enemies towards him, but enemies of God. Okay. So those who hate God, those who have had an opportunity to receive and know the grace of God, are enemies of God when they reject that and cause hurt and harm. But our response to those in Romans 12 is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Romans 12, Paul says to us, um, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with everyone. So our prayers will help us to number one, express our emotions. Lord, you're the God of justice. Just do this. That emotional expression helps us to trust God's sovereignty. So actually those psalms are not a real, yeah, Lord, do this. No, it's an expression of, Lord, you say you will do this. You're the God of justice. We just can't bear this anymore. Would you, would you, oh, just crush our enemies. Yeah, have you ever prayed that prayer? Crush my enemies. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's an emotional expression that actually is cathartic in a sense. Right. It, it helps us to heal. So part of the healing process is expressing these real emotions, not hiding them or bottling them up. Sorry, I'm leading the question down a different track here. But coming back to it, it's important for us uh, to have a right heart and to be able to express truly what we feel about the hurt we've experienced from enemies. Mm -hmm. Then enemies. Who are the enemies? I think there's four types of people in the world. Mm -hmm. There are uh, friends of God in the church, friends of God outside the church who don't know that they're friends (coughs) of God. 
there are enemies of God in the church who are actively working against the advance of the kingdom of God. Those are true enemies that I would pray these prayers of frustration and, you know, for. And there are enemies of God outside the church. And so I think our enemies are not necessarily our enemies, but God's enemies. Because we're children of God, we mustn't personalize enemies. We're fighting a spiritual battle, not a physical one. Mm. And when we have something come against us, we don't fight each other over it. We fight in a different realm. We fight for joy in God against principalities and powers, not against one another to ask God to crush individuals. We ask God to crush sin and the principalities and the powers behind the sin, not the people. Mm-hmm. People God loves. We're called to love them. Mm-hmm. <coughs> hope that okay. helps with you. Who our enemies are. Enemies are principalities and powers that are working against God's kingdom. Right. And the advance of his kingdom. The same as in the Old Testament. Well, Thank you. Yeah, that, that really just changes the game. <laughs> um, but what I what I did want to ask, and you touched on it already, when you said these prayers of, or how do you say it, imprecation? Imprecation. Are quite emotional. So I know the Bible says, be angry, but do not sin. So how do you know when you are praying with a righteous anger or when you're just praying because you're touched? And you just want <laughs> bad things to happen yeah. to other people. <laughs> to specific people. Because you're just angry, like you're fed up, you're frustrated, you just don't understand why God hasn't done something yet. And you're angry at him, you're angry at the person, you're angry at the system, you're just angry. Mm, and this is a great question. you're just yeah. letting it out before God, but you yeah. are genuinely angry. Yeah. Is that a good expression of anger? Or how do you know you're not sinning in your anger? So you ask about what's the difference Mm -hmm. between righteous anger and unrighteous anger in the sense that we we can be angry, but don't sin in your anger. Mm. And I would say we could look at Jesus' example. When he came into the temple with a whip, he was angry that they had turned God's temple into a den of thieves, money changers abusing people it was injustice it was un- so so one of the things jesus was passionate about was the justice of god mm-hmm. so injustice is something that we can get righteously angry over so there's a specific okay. thing we can get righteously <coughs> angry over the way we get righteously over, angry over it is in a controlled way not letting the sun go down on our anger not waiting days weeks years before we reconcile with those we have been angry with or the situations we've been angry about and not letting us burn inside us causing us to sin stress get all worked, pa- worked up panicked mm-hmm. about into a frenzy so that's the first one is that it's controlled and the sun doesn't go down while we're angry. Secondly, I, th- I would say it's restorative, not lashing out or causing harm or hurt to people, but actually building. It's not destructive. It actually is anger that builds and mobilizes people for righteousness, not destruction. So on our streets, for example, when people burn tires, destroy property, that's not righteous anger. Okay, the issue was perhaps a righteous issue when it is about injustice. Mm-hmm. So the issue is righteous, but the way it worked out was unrighteous anger, yeah. destruction of property, etc. So it's got to be controlled. It's got to be um, loving. It's got to be restorative. I would then say it's redemptive and not selfish. It is angry not for yourself. 
but angry about the injustices towards another person. Mm-hmm. So most often if our anger is because you've done something horrible to me and I want to get it right, often that doesn't work out in righteous anger. Our kids, for example, when they misbehave and we're angry with them, our anger is not that they have necessarily disappointed us, but our anger is at the sin and our restorative process is to ensure that they don't do it again, not because of us, but because of their future and the future of others around them. Mm-hmm. And so when it's selfish, and I think that would be the root cause, is if it's selfish, if we're angry because of selfish reasons or a woe is me mentality or I've been so wronged, mm-hmm. I would say that tends to lead to unrighteous anger. But when it's anger for someone else's injustice, it can lead to righteous anger in hoping for justice to be done, praying for justice to be done, working for justice to be done. I would go on to say that it is about God's glory and his name rather than people saying, wow, you did amazing, you stood up to them. It was, um, that would be unrighteous anger if our desire was to make a name for ourselves in our anger. Most people get angry to make a name for themselves and show how big and strong and powerful they are, right. getting what we want. No, it's about getting what God wants, his glory, getting what God wants, restoration and reconciliation and redemption, getting what God wants, his kingdom advancing, not personal agendas. I would say it's not just about letting our emotions out and taking it out on someone to offload on them, but an expression of of worship. Do you know that your anger can be an expression of worship to God? Okay. As Jesus was. <laughs> was. All right. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Okay, first, do I have to, that means I have to rejig my whole picture in my mind of what justice looks like. Because to me, when I pray for justice, I want you to get the what your sins deserve, right? So, like, if you stole... What you deserve is to go to prison because you stole. So you learn your lesson and you don't do it again. To me, that's like my mental picture of justice. But you're saying perhaps I need to calibrate that differently and maybe justice should look more like you stole and you repented and God forgave you. Now you are bull. Is that... How would you pray for justice <clears throat> for yourself ah, as a oh, sinner? Yes, the second one. <laughs> yeah. But Jesus didn't come into the temple saying... <clears throat> Hey, guys, 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 hang hang on. I think you've got this wrong. Hey, let's just, just don't, don't change the money here. It's offending God, you know, and it's not cool. Jesus came in with a whip, and his worship in his anger of God was a righteous anger. Your righteous anger is worship before God because you're passionate about his glory, passionate about, you're passionate to see people righteous and not sinning. Mm. And so... When you pray in righteous anger, God calls them not to sin and do this stuff, Lord. Because we know that you're a faithful God, you're a sovereign God, you're a just God, and you deal with sin in these ways. That's passionate, righteous prayers. But Lord, we pray that their hearts would turn from that way. And if they don't, we know that you're a God who will smite them, you will give them eternal punishment. It's proclaiming what God has already said he would do towards Sinners. Yeah, generally, I think we've been skipping that first step, hey? Right. And just going yeah, to the eternal <laughs> punishment part, to be quite honest with you. And the reason for that is because we want to be the judge. We make ourselves to be God. And that is the root of all sin is idolatry. 
either idolizing ourselves or something or someone else. But I like John Wick, mm-hmm. though. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so there's this bit. <clears throat> no, because they killed his dog. And then he killed all of he them. He was on a rampage. Like, how can that like be Like, sometimes good? I want to do that to people. <laughs> all right. Okay, anyway. <laughs> there's this verse. Um, again, it's another psalm. I guess it's one of these imprecation ones. And it says, can unjust, oh, Psalms 34, verse 20 to 23. Can unjust leaders claim that God is on their side? Leaders whose decrees permit injustice. They gang, they gang up against the righteous and condemn the innocent to death. But the Lord is my fortress. My God is the mighty rock where I hide. God will turn the sins of the evil back on them. <laughs> he will destroy them for their sins. The Lord our God will destroy them. So you're saying there David is maybe before that, before he gets to this bit, mm-hmm. he prayed for their repentance? Yeah. And Calling then them to repentance. Afterwards, he's like, God destroy them yeah. if they don't repent. So there was warnings, there were calls to repentance, there were psalms of hope that this is what will, those are the consequences or these are the promises for those who live out God's ways. And then he says, but if we don't, the same as Deuteronomy, this is the consequence. And David prays, Lord, speed up your kingdom to come. Let it come quickly. This hurt and this pain and this wars and this trouble that we're in is too much. Speed up your kingdom because he could see the kingdom that was right and righteous and pure and good. The same with us. Mm-hmm. And then the end will come. Once we, the lost have been reached and preached to and, and saved, uh, there will be injustice throughout the time on earth because there are sinful beings. Mm-hmm. God's will is that none of them would perish, but that all come to repentance. And our prayer is for all those who are living in sin now would come to repentance and mm-hmm. to know him through our actions, through God's sovereignty. So we do need to live out that way, even in our prayers even David's prayers, when he prayed that, it was a prayer of declaration about God's sovereignty in this situation mm-hmm. from start to finish, proclaiming his judgment if they didn't. Did we see children bashed against the rocks? Did we see these things happen? Not in most circumstances because the nation of Israel and those others would turn to God. Sometimes they won the wars when Israel didn't trust in God. And then Israel were like, why do you do this to us, God? Why do you let our enemies triumph over us? Where are you, God? And then God reminds them of their sin, the same as us. A lot of these psalms of imprecation are a reminder of our own sin and the consequences for our sin as we share this emotional outburst of anger, righteous anger against sin. It's actually against sin and not one another. When our outbursts are against each other, mm. that's when it becomes unrighteous. So, mm. so, so I'm flowing in and out of your questions. I think I need to change how I pray for my leaders then. <laughs> I need to edit a few things. Yeah. Huh. Save them all. Or you're praying for lightning and thunder. Asha. I was praying for what I was praying for. You see, Jesus says this in Matthew 5, it's beautiful, and and this is one of the awesome passages. Uh, He says, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, Jesus took it a whole nother level. He says, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. When you do that, he says, you may be children of your father in heaven, that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? 
are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet your, your own people only, what are you doing more than others? Don't even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Jesus just gives us a whole nother level to live out and to rise up to. He said, when your enemy is hungry, Paul tells us this, feed him. If he asks you to go one mile, go two with him. In this way, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do we do it so that they get burning coals heaped on their head? That's motive. Be careful, because that motive is malicious. Yeah. Right. We don't do it for that to happen to them. We do it so that they would know the grace of God, so that they wouldn't have these burning coals of hell heaped on their head in the end time. We hope mm-hmm. that by our actions now, loving our neighbor, giving them a drink, uh, our enemy, giving them a drink, giving them a meal, that they will see something of the kingdom of heaven so that they don't get burning coals on their head of hell in the end times. Yeah. Okay. I hope that makes sense. It does, mm. but it really causes some serious cognitive dissonance, like hectic. Yeah. Because, yeah, especially in this nation. What kind just, of prayers have you been praying? No, guys, <laughs> like in know. this nation, we've gone through so much with in, as it relates to injustice. Yeah. And we're not, and let me not say we, I was not at the stage where I was praying necessarily for restorative repentance and stuff like that i was just like these people need to get what they deserve and then when they get what they deserve then they will turn to god (laughs) not the other way around so yeah i think and imagine we prayed for ourselves lord give us what we deserve too often i think our problem is we think we deserve more than we get we have an entitlement mentality. Mm-hmm. And then we think we don't deserve what we are getting. We have a victim mentality. Mm-hmm. And so when we pray for others in that way, the entitlement mentality is that, no, they deserve that. I don't. Yeah. I, I'm saved by Jesus. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. I don't blood. deserve hell. Actually, we all deserve hell, <laughs> eternal separation from God. But, but only because of God's grace are we brought into that. When we see it from that perspective and pray for our neighbors to say, Lord, may they see that grace. May they come into that so that they don't do these things. Mm. They will only stop doing those things when they experience the grace of God, love of God, forgiveness of God. And that comes to the healing. How do we heal from this hurt and pain that we've gone through? Is by seeing an expression of God's love even for our enemies. Yeah. I guess we want his mercy for ourselves, not for, for our enemies. Mm-hmm. But, but it's community. Yeah. So we want mercy for ourselves and judgment for others. Yeah. Basically. That's okay. idolatrous, isn't it? <sighs> That's crazy. That's you know, thinking, I'm, I'm kingpin, you know. <laughs> I deserve it. <laughs> I'm the only one. Yeah. Okay, so Sean, uh, <laughs> you know what? This is actually, yeah. this is actually very, um, well, I guess countercultural, number one, and very revolutionary thinking, you know, even um, within our um, church, church circles yeah, and whatnot. You need whatnot. To write a book. Um, so here's the thing now there's a whole, I know it's quite popular here in Zim, there's a whole movement <coughs> of churches, especially these um, prophetic churches that are sort of burgeoning everywhere. Um, where, you know, I, I actually remember specifically one program on radio, on Star FM, uh, where there was a prophet there. And his whole tagline was that thing, that, back, that whole back to sender thing. And he was actually saying, you know, if you have problems, if, you have, if you're having issues in your life, 
right? Uh, this service, so prayer meeting is going to be going, is going to be back to sender. So how does that work? Like, if people are praying for things to happen to people, yeah. um, I'm assuming that maybe some of these things actually then happen. Uh, so that's still God, though. Like, you know, if we meet and pray for all these troubles that have come upon us to be reversed and for them to go back to whoever sent them. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so did God do that? We bind them and then release oh, them. Yeah, exactly. Is, is that still God? or? I don't think we should think we're so powerful as to cause God to sin by bringing wrong on someone. So, so we're not that powerful. Right. Our prayers are are powerful in the sense that we can ask God to fulfill his will and his kingdom. And sometimes God fulfills his will and even says that it's his will, 1 Peter 4, 1 Peter 5, that sometimes it's his will that we suffer. Like, what? That we face pain? Like, how could that be God's will? Well, because we know that when we face James 1, when we face trials of many kinds, it's the testing of our faith. So, ah, so the purpose of God in suffering is to test our faith. Well, then what does it say after that? It says, so that we may become mature, complete, whole, lacking nothing. Sometimes we're sending things, we're saying back to send that when it's actually God who sent them, and that's rejecting God's plan discipline. or will, or not, not just discipline, but actually his test for us to make us whole, complete, lacking nothing. And Jesus, it was for the joy set before him that he endured these things. What about for us, for the joy set before us? Don't say back to sender because sometimes God is the sender. Even our enemies, God allows our enemies to come up against us and cause us pain so that we can be whole, mature, complete, lacking nothing, just like Jesus in the response Jesus made when he went to the cross like a sheep to the slaughter, not cursing anyone. And First Peter 4 says that when, First Peter 3 says that when we live out that way and don't curse those who curse us, when we bless them, God will hear our prayers. God will hear our prayers when we pray with the right motive. That's what the Bible says. He doesn't hear our prayers when it's with the wrong motive. So we can't even anticipate those prayers being answered, the back to sender prayers, if the motive is wrong. He doesn't answer those kinds of prayers because we can't cause God to sin. And he wouldn't sin on our behalf by causing pain to someone because we've asked him to do it with our malicious intent. Only God would cause, like he did with Job, pain, hurt to come so that they can be whole, mature, complete, healed. And I love 1 Corinthians, I think it's 1 Corinthians 1, 3, 2 Corinthians 1, 3, it says, we are comforted by the comfort of God mm-hmm. in our suffering so that we can comfort others with God's comfort in their pain. Sometimes God allows us to go through pain so that we can show God's comfort to others in their pain. Mm-hmm. Part of God's purpose for our trials and troubles is to give comfort to others. Imagine Zimbabweans and what they can give to the world through the trials that we have been through if we respond to it well. The comfort we've received from God to pass that on to others who are going through similar trials is phenomenal. And if we change our mindset and not preach a half gospel, I think back to sender is a half gospel. Mm -hmm. It's half truth in a sense. It's like a motivational, tell people what they really want to hear, their itching ears, 
most people want vengeance for themselves. They mm -hmm. want to see, yeah, it's meted out. When you're in a fight and you get hit, your first response is to hit back. Man, oh, yeah. I felt pain. I want to show you pain. Yeah. That's our human nature. Same with our prayers is back to sender. I felt pain. You're going to feel it too. That's not the kind of life we're called to live and the life that honors God and righteous anger. That actually is unrighteous anger. Mm. Back to sender kind of prayers, I think, in my humble, limited opinion. <laughs> All right. <coughs> I don't know. <laughs> do you want to ask about healing? The last one. About what? How do we, how do we get healed? Yeah, yeah. So let me ask that. So, um, you know, Sean, this is a very, um, yeah, it's just very deep what you're saying and very challenging, you know, especially like you rightly said that in Zim where people are going through so much and people uh, feel they're justified to feel angry yeah. and to, to to feel like certain things should go back <laughs> to certain people, mm -hmm. right? Um, but, you know, just based on what you've, you've been saying and um, just all the truths that you're talking about today, um, if someone is in a space where they're really struggling, where, you know, they've been wronged, or maybe they're even currently being wronged, right? Maybe it's an ongoing thing or whatever, and they actually know who's doing them wrong. Um, how, how do we get healed of um, just, yeah, the, either the, the mindset itself or even just the feeling, you know, of, of feeling like, yeah, in, injustice was done against us or maybe against someone that we know? How, how do we get to a place of being healed and, you know, getting back to, to the right heart? And this is probably the most challenging part of being a Christian, a believer, forgiveness. And the ministry of reconciliation we have received from God, our, our primary ministry as believers, is being reconciled ourselves with God and helping others to be reconciled to God and reconciling one to another. And the crucial ingredient for that is forgiveness. And the ultimate display of forgiveness was Jesus' death on the cross in our place for our sins. That was painful. Yeah. For us, forgiveness is painful. It's a cross experience. Jesus says, carry your cross daily. Yes. Forgive daily. Express the forgiveness daily. And I think it comes in three ways. There are three elements to forgiveness. The first one is receiving forgiveness. We can't forgive unless we've totally received God's forgiveness for us and the finished work of Jesus on the cross. What happens is we say, I couldn't possibly receive his forgiveness. What I've done is too bad to receive complete forgiveness. It wasn't finished. And then we kind of spit at Jesus and his finished work on the cross and say, now nah, my stuff is too big for you, Jesus, or I'm too bad for you. And it's like saying to Jesus, that wasn't enough. I've got to add something more to it. Mm -hmm. Your death in my place was not excellent enough. I, I also have to die. And we're just saying to Jesus, it wasn't enough. So when we don't receive forgiveness, we can't forgive others. So essentially, the way we forgive others is by completely receiving God's forgiveness, releasing us from our sin, the consequences of our sin, paying the total penalty for it. Then we walk in forgiveness before God and can give that same forgiveness, God's forgiveness for us, ushered to others who've ultimately sinned against God, not just us, but against God. Every sin is ultimately against God and not against God. You. When I sin against you, I'm sinning against God and not firstly you. The problem we have is we make it all about 
us and feeling sinned against and hurt against. It's idolatry again. So the second, first one is forgiveness from God, forgiveness to others. And the third one to complete the circle is forgiving ourselves, forgiving ourselves for not receiving God's complete forgiveness, forgiving ourselves for withholding forgiveness from someone else and being whole. Bible says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. It is not loving to yourself not to forgive yourself. And most of us live in brokenness because we can't forgive ourselves for some of the things we've done. Not forgiving ourselves is saying, Jesus, your work wasn't, it wasn't finished on the cross. And so to realize the finished work of Jesus on the cross, his resurrection from the dead, ascension to heaven, the gift of his Holy Spirit to live out a righteous, holy, good life, bearing fruit for the glory of the Father, involves that cycle of forgiveness. Receive, give, and forgive myself. Back to receive, daily basis, carry our cross daily. What does it mean to carry your cross? It means ministry of reconciliation, which means forgiveness. Healing comes when forgiveness is received and given. Oh. <clears throat> yeah. I actually had never really looked at forgiveness like that. And that it means that you're saying to Jesus what you did wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. That is, yeah, very sobering. And that's where roots of bitterness come. You see, because we become bitter thinking it's about me mm-hmm. when we don't see it's all about Jesus. And we get to be included by him as his kids and his family. We get these roots of bitterness against one another. When we don't see each other as image bearers of God and children of God, that's when bitterness comes against one another. And it's crucial because God says, unless you forgive one another, I can't forgive you. In the Lord's Prayer, like the ultimate prayer of forgiveness was, but unless you forgive one another, I can't forgive you. It's like, what God can't forgive? Well, he can, but he doesn't because you're the one blocking the cycle because you can't forgive. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess my challenge to our listeners today is to do some heart examination. Mm -hmm. And if you've been praying those prayers, you know, those ones, Mm -hmm. I I think it's time to go back and, and examine your heart to ask yourself what the motive is. Um, I know I'm very challenged too. You know, and if someone has wronged you and you have all kinds of thoughts towards them, you know, um, one of the key things, like I guess the the fundamental thing about being um, a Christian is that um, we we have to get our hearts to a place where they're in sync with what God desires. So um, yeah, I think this is just a great time for us to to check ourselves mm-hmm. and to to check if the anger is righteous anger, to check if the motive is is right and then of course to take the right action um based on what the word says so this is really it's really deep man thank you asu thank you can i pray for folks who are feeling <coughs> that there's yeah definitely there's like yes. unforgiveness going on and sure yeah father we we know that you love us more than we will ever know and understand we We look at the finished work of Jesus on the cross and we remember it again today. As we talk about forgiveness and reconciliation, we thank you that it was you who who initiated that, not us. You initiated reconciliation, redemption, forgiveness for us. And any hurt that any one of my brothers and sisters have experienced, 
by sin, injustice committed against them, in whatever magnitude it has been, small, big, any hurt or any feeling of pain, any malicious intent towards any one of my brothers and sisters listening, any false accusation that has come against them, any pain through sickness or through brokenness, broken hearts, broken bones, broken bodies, broken marriages, broken families, any sin committed there to cause brokenness, we pray you would heal now in Jesus' name as you remind us of your finished work on the cross and the forgiveness you first gave us and that we have the privilege of giving to others. We thank you for this ministry you've given us, the privilege of showing, expressing, sharing your forgiveness with others. What a privilege we have to give the same forgiveness you gave to us, to those who sin against us, knowing ultimately that any sin is committed against you. And Lord, help us to forgive ourselves. So often we don't. We don't finish the cycle and don't forgive ourselves. So help my brothers and sisters to forgive themselves and keep running back to you and receiving forgiveness. Help us to love one another radically by embracing our enemies, feeding our enemies when they're hungry, giving them a drink, walking the extra mile. Pray in our prayers for those we consider our enemies, that we would know that we're fighting a spiritual battle against principalities and powers, not against one another, Mm. but that, Lord, our prayers would be righteous prayers, even when we get angry in our prayers, that they would be righteous, angry prayers, and that the sun wouldn't go down while we're still angry, and that we would be freed from the burden of the pain of injustice, of the pain of poverty that we see, of the pain of uh, immorality, and that ultimately we would long for you to be glorified and for purity and righteousness to prevail as we receive your mercy and grace to live in the power of your spirit, to see your kingdom advance and live for the joy that's ahead of us, the joy of heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Sean. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. And that is Radiant Culture. Peace. 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 Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Radiant Culture Podcast. If you want to make a contribution, make a suggestion, or have a request, you can get in touch with us via email on radiantatthehub.co.zw or inbox us on Facebook and Twitter. Look out for the next episode and remember to share this one with everybody you know. God bless. It's hot. It's fresh. It's uncut. Hashtag Real Talk on the Radiant Culture Podcast.